You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Abracha. This is One on One with Charlie Arari. I'm Avram Kivalevich. And Charlie, it's been almost a month uh, since wow. last we've uh, had the chance to talk. And, uh, the month of the three weeks, of course, we're hoping that we'd be speaking together in your Shalim at this point. But yep. uh, uh, I'm still glad to see you. And uh, I know you've been very busy and uh, you've had a lot of great messages that have uh, gone out from your camp and from yourself uh, during Tisha B'Av. Uh, I told you uh, my, it was standing room only, even for Zoom. My wife couldn't even get in. So uh, the messages are getting out there. And uh, we're getting the downloads here on our site, too, as well. But Charlie, I know one of the first times we met, you know, you came into, you knocked on my door like you're just a regular guy. And I know you as a regular guy. And we talked about Dafyomi. So, you know, I give a share in Dafyomi every night. It's called Dafyomi Deferential. And, you know, you give Dafyomi and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky said when he was uh, getting older and his doctor told him that he wasn't supposed to exert himself intellectually and mentally as he had, as he had. And of course, if you look at his safer, Emes Lyakov, not only in Chumash, but in, 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 in Shulchan Aruch, and on, uh, you can see how deep he was and how uh, an incredible Lamdan he was. But then he said, the doctor says he can't put so much efforts into it. He's going to do Dafyomi. And I remember him saying that. He says, yes, and Dafyomi. And he used to come in uh, when I used to see him in Florida, learning Dafyomi in the back. Of course, maybe his Dafyomi was different. And ever since I saw that, I, I realized that that the simcha you have to have as you get old and as you understand things, and if this is your limud, if Dafyomi is your limud, it should speak to you, and it should also give you some messages. So I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but yesterday's daf and the day before is, had a message that I thought was very, very striking. And one of the messages really um, hit home and uh, for someone who's like myself, who's already uh, over 60. And that was Shlomo Melech in Kohelis describing what it means to get old. Shlomo Melech was talking about uh, how the body starts to fail. And the Gemara goes to town. The Gemara takes every posik that he writes in Parakud Bays of Kohelis and talks about how the body, even before it reaches the grave, how it's going to be almost overbottom. How the eyes, how the forehead, how the ability to hear. And the Gemara uh, attends that with a number of descriptions of great Tanoim uh, who didn't have the physical capacity anymore. The Gemara speaks about how you reach a time when you're even scared to walk in the street, how your legs are failing you. Um, and I think anyone learning that Gemara of my age, and maybe even younger people like yourself, need to confront this, this reality, of the reality of old age. Like the Gemara says, you know, until 40, your eyesight can maybe get better. But after 40... Uh, it's probably going to stay where it is or get worse. When the Gemara speaks about the inability to to be engaged as as strongly, when the Gemara speaks about the death of passion, the death of a feeling, and how that starts to go, I'm not telling you anything new, Charlie. We all know what life is. Life is a, a, a battery that starts to uncharge. But when I see these Gemaras, especially, um, it makes me think about what our answer needs to be. Uh, obviously, we have to do enough Torah and mitzvahs, but what can we do, Charlie, in your mind, to stave off this depressive state that, that you aren't who you were, that you're not where you, should, where you 
can be. And maybe you have to come to terms that you're never going to be what you thought you were going to be. And, and how do you actually deal with the issues of the weaknesses that you're discovering in your body itself? So let's talk about that first. There's another piece of the Gemara, which I, I'm, I'm saving for later. But I want to get Charlie's input on this first. I know it's a little bit unfair, my age versus your age, but you're a learner. What do you think, Charlie? Uh, so, you know, it's a great question. And I think it's an important question. I don't think it's a question you deal with when you're later on in your life. I think it's a question you deal with when you're earlier in your life. Um, you know, a person's always supposed to be looking down the road. And always asking himself, like, what am I going to become? Not in five years, but in 20 years, in 40 years, and in 60 years, right? They always say that the stomach you have was the food you ate 20 years ago. So you're always in motion. You know, it's funny that you say that because when I was growing up and I was a little bit, I'll say a lot more um, uh, trouble, uh, I was a little bit of a troublemaker growing up. And uh, I remember once being in, uh, in yeshiva and questioning if I should even like, you know, learn whatever. There's a lot there. And I remember sitting with a, a guy who wasn't, it wasn't a Jewish guy. I was in a camp and he was, uh, he was in staff. He was in the kitchen and we had both gotten injured and whatever. So we both happened to be at the local upstate um, hospital, whatever it was. This guy was from Australia, a good looking guy. He was, you know, very fit. He came in to see America, ended up, you know, working for the summer. And he says to me, when I hit the age of 50, he says, I want, he says, he wants somebody to go out and kill him. I said, what? He said, what's the point? Like, what's the point? I don't want to be old. I don't want to, he goes, when I, I he, he parasails and he paraglides and he jumps out of planes. He's, he's like a thriller guy. When I met him, I met him, he was 17. He couldn't have been more than 20. And his life was so clear that it was physical enjoyment that he just couldn't imagine being alive when he couldn't in, indulge and enjoy the world. And it was so clear to him that he would live his life this way. And as soon as he couldn't, he, it, life wasn't worth living. And when you look at the, in contrast to the people that are not necessarily, there are a lot of people in, in, the, in the other nations also that have more wisdom. But if you look really at Jewish people, you find that people start to, in many ways, live their lives as their body starts to calm down and drop. There is a sense of being physically fit. And there is a certain prime of life when your body is working. But as you look through Torah, you also find that wisdom begins to increase. I believe the daf before this daf speaks about how when one gets older, the wisdom increases and foolishness increases. So right. people Wisdom are, increases by the Tamir HaChachama, by Yeshishim yes. Right. Meaning people that are in pursuit of wisdom, age is their best friend. It's like compounding interest, right? If you got the right investment, you love time. People that are focused on materialism at a level that is higher than their physical world, than their, than their spiritual pursuits, at some point, the curve goes against you. And I think a Gemara like this is very sobering, but it's also very empowering because it begins to remind us that if you want to live a good life, it can't be based on physical prowess or physical capacity. You, the essential you, have to be more than the way your body operates. And if you work on those pieces when you're younger, if you work on your temptations, if you work on your wisdom, if you work on your Torah, if you work on all the non-physical or all the things that seem to be counter-physical, and you work them, you have a much longer, more enjoyable life as you get older. 
And I, I look at some of the people that are hitting intellectual and spiritual strides that I think if you'd say to them, they couldn't have hit in their 40s. I think many of the individuals that are, um, that are growing by leaps and bounds in their spirituality are doing so later on in their lives. And it was only because they started off at the right time. I mean, it's never too late to start. But I think in many ways, when you look at it from the perspective of body or soul, and we as Jews really are identifying with the soul, and we grow that part of who we are, yes, there are physical pains and challenges, but it's not who we are. So as one grows and their mind becomes clearer and potentially, or their soul becomes stronger, they can accomplish things that younger people can't accomplish. Yeah, I would say so. Listen, Charlie, it's it's clear that uh, uh, when we look at the incredible prowess, intellectual prowess that Rabbi Yashiv kept up until his deep 90s and even beyond, I, I heard Rabbi Vosner speak, uh, standing there for 30 minutes straight, uh, and he was in his late 90s. Uh, incredible. And, and, and we definitely have Tamidah Chafamim, as you see, Kozman Shemaskinim Chochma Mitopas Behem. We definitely have uh, that type of idea from my Tamidah Chafamim. But again, most people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't even get that bracha to. And unfortunately, as you know, even some Tamidah Chafamim, for some reason, uh, they don't uh, have the same type of old age that Rav Yoshev and Rav Moshe and Rav Vosner Rezocha to. Um, and it, it definitely is, I think, a sobering thing. And, 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 and I guess, obviously, the more spiritual you are, the more you can live with the decrepitude that creeps into your body, the more you know what's important. And yet, when you see Gemaris where Rav, the Godel Ador, would read Sukkim and would be in pain when he'd read Kohelas, I guess maybe we have a right, in a way, um, to wallow and feel of, of what that is. In other words, instead of, and, 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 and you know, like your friend, we have so many people who refuse to accept the mantle of old age, who refuse uh, to accept slowing down. And of course, that, that of course is, is much worse when you, when, you, when you try to be something that you're not. But I agree with you. Um, I know for myself personally uh, that, uh, I think in my 20s, I was probably, uh, you know, I have, I, I have uh, a suitcase full of all my writings when I was 20, from my, from my mid-teens till I hit about 30. Uh, notebooks and notebooks and really, uh, I think great stuff. I mean, I don't know. Maybe someday somebody will publish it. But I, I only started doing Dionys as, as a Dion when I was uh, in my mid-30s. And I, I couldn't have done it in my 20s. Um, Obviously, life experience helps you uh, understand the world and be able to deal with people. Uh, but you have to realize, as the Torah says, you don't have that energy and strength. And uh, maybe that means you have to really, uh, really, as Rabbi Yaakov understood, you have to really balance yourself well uh, and, and realize how time is so crucial for you. Um, you know, and I, uh, I think there's one other thing before I move on to that other subject that I have ready for you. Um, don't you think maybe perhaps there should also be um, a little bit of a message towards the youth of, of not just honoring the Zikadim and the Gedolim, but also understanding people that are older and, and really understanding them from where they were as well. I, I think that's a message that needs to be out there. 
uh, that the younger people, even if they're not dealing with a godo or a great rov, just a person who has, who, has, who, has, who, has, who has lived longer than them, who is already in an older situation, the, the idea of kavod zekenim, of hadar zekenim, I think that's a very important, uh, and not just, oh, he's an old person, let me have pity on him, but really to understand the significance of somebody who has lived and the type of wisdom you can get from older people. Remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about finding Rebus and you talked about getting Rebus even from all over the place. Um, I think maybe our community needs to do more of learning from older people. And I think that would do a lot to, to stop depression and, and, and to create uh, an interconnectedness. What do you think, Charlie? I agree. I, I don't mean that every old person has to become a real Yashiv. I just mean that the values that you're going to live by, family and spirituality and Torah, stick with you much longer when you live a non, a, a less than focused physical life. And even if a person isn't at the level of a Yashiv, um, the level of Sipa Kanefesh that he has is so much greater. I think it was David Pelkovitz, the, the great psychologist, who once said to me that um, at the end of his father's life, he was focused on his dad, and he recognized that he lived in such joy towards the end of his life. Um, he was surrounded constantly by his children and grandchildren. He was um, engaging in discussions. I don't know if he was necessarily giving drushas, but you know he was the famous rub from Farakway or Pelkovit. And he was involved in so many things that were so highly meaningful to him and that were coming at him um, constantly that he remarked to me once that he was he, he enjoyed just how much enjoyment his father had. Now, when you live a life giving and building things that are beyond physical, when you build families, when you build um, people, when, when, you, when you stand for things, when you learn, when you work your mind out, when you work out your own values and your own midos, you, you benefit from them long after the, the, the body starts to slow down. Um, yeah, and that doesn't apply necessarily to the Gudoli Hador. It applies to everybody that is in, in that, on that channel. So for sure, there's a certain level of respect just in general. We ha- should have anyways for people that live that life and the wisdom of living for that long and the wisdom for, for surviving and growing for that long. It's particularly impressive for the Jewish community, mostly in, the, in America, because most likely if, it, if it's Ashkenazi in the Jewish community, there's a, not everybody, but there's a, a likelihood that that person in their 80s and 90s are went through something probably terrible in Europe and they've survived it. There's something there, but even in, from the Sephardi, I mean, I'm half and half. My grandfather comes from Syria. My other grandfather comes from Munkat. So the the Sephardi didn't have it that much easier either. I mean, it wasn't the Holocaust, but it wasn't like they were sitting, you know, it wasn't the golden age in the 1940s and fifties for them or sixties for them either. But I think just in general, the point is the, the sobering concepts of what old age will do for you has a very can sweeten your youth because it keeps you focused on what's important. Yeah, and, I, well, yeah it's sort of similar to uh, you know what Rafsadigon says that uh, once the, well, one of the one of the reasons why Kibbutz Aim gives Arichas Yomim is because your children see you honoring your parents and they're going to make the life easier for you. So it isn't a special magic that if you honor your parents, God puts more life into you is that when you honor your parents the people who are going to be taking care of you the next that younger generation will see the covid you had 
and they'll learn from it, which will give you, you the real sense of Rikos Yom. Okay, Charlie, the other part of the Gemara, and I, I said to you uh, before we got on, I said, this is Charlie's wheelhouse. And, and it's, it's, it's Kabbalistic and it's, it's mystical. So if you're not familiar with the Gemara, everyone, uh, it's the Gemara on, on uh, Kufnun Beis, Amid Beis in Shabbos or Shabbat. And it talks about these diggers, these Kufloi, who Rav Nachman, who had become a wealthy person and had uh, decent holdings of land, uh, his diggers discovered uh, there was a, uh, a, a dead man, uh, a person who had passed on, but his body was still there and his mind was still there. And that was Rabbi Bar Yoshia. Rabbi Bar Yoshia, uh, and he didn't like being disturbed by whatever uh, building process was going on. And Rav Nachman, who was the Godelador himself, Rav is Rebbe, went out to his field to, to see who this ghostish person was. And of course, they got involved into a discussion. First, Nachman couldn't believe that his body had not decomposed. And he quoted a Pusik uh, in the Drush of Rav Mari, the Amora, that said, which says that you go into the earth, your body decomposes, and you, you've been dead a long time, and your body is still what it is. So Rav Achaya gave him an answer. Uh, uh, a very incredible answer. Rechai Bar Yosha gave him an answer. His answer was, he says, well, he, you know, he said, you young whippersnapper. He says, you know, you might, whoever taught you Kohelis didn't teach you Mishle. Because in Mishle it says, Rekav Atzamos Kino. You know how a person ends up putting, and being put in the grave and then decomposing? He says, Kol Kino If you have jealousy, envy in your heart, that somehow leads to atzmos of markivim. That means that that stays with you. It's like almost like a like a cancer leilenu that's inserted in you, and that will have its effect. But I never had kina. And right when I saw that gemara, I thought of you, Charlie. And I know that uh, you know we, we talk about being the best who you are and. What's your response here? How do you see the uh, the idea of of living a life like Rabbi Chai that he that there was no kina in his heart at all? And everybody and it's and you see that this is very very unique because most people's have it in some way. What would you say is a segula to 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 be above kina? It's your whole life. I mean, it's honest. It's forget the segulas. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in the world of segulas. I, I remember being on the phone with a tzaddik in your narrative and he said to me, uh, we, we had a conversation that somehow surrounded Shefa and how it flows into the world and people that are envious and kinna. And there's a lot there, but we're not going to get into Shefa. And, 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 and I don't know enough to be able to sort of speak authoritatively on how Shefa comes into the physical world and what kinna does. Just, it's not a good thing. Let's leave it like that. Um, let's just speak very practically, right? When a person has kina and isn't, well, let, let me, let's break it down like this. Everybody has kina, right? If you don't have kina, Hashem, God bless you. He handed you a gene. Thank your great, great grandparents. And don't chalk up the tzaddik card. If you, if you never had kin in this world, most likely you have some incredibly holy great grandparent that saved you from what is a normal feeling that everyone else has. Okay. Most people have kina and they have it within a range. Some people are just completely obsessed over it. They can't see the good in other people. They can't walk into a room and feel good for somebody else. They're constantly obsessed with it. And some people have it just very 
when it's things that they care most about or things that very much rely on their identity. So you have to recognize that overcoming kina is a muscle, just like running a marathon. You don't just walk outside. Some people do. Most people don't walk outside their house and run marathons. They, they, there's a whole psychological transformation that takes place. They start to run, then they get, get tired, and their brain says, it's not us, and they push through it, and they do things that they are not naturally inclined to do called acting as if, right? They go through an entire process. They push a little bit further, and then they, they stop, right? They're just in motion to build their muscles of marathon running because they want to get their goal, which is 26.2. Now, if you wake up in the morning, between when you wake up at birth to when you die, the goal for us should be amongst other goal is to wipe kinna out of our minds. If we do that, forget the spiritual benefits because those for sure are going to come in. We get a lot of very, very psychological, easy benefits to understand. Forget that our faith Hashem is better. We just, we live happier. We enjoy life. We're not always dealing with negative emotions. We have, uh, we're, we're, we're connected to more people, right? We don't bring sickness into our minds and into our bodies. So the question isn't whether kinna is good or not good. Of course, it's not good. The question is how detrimental it is and it's super detrimental. The question is how do we overcome it? And the answer is you have to look at it like a marathon. And you have to, everyone has to recognize that there's a kinna muscle. And that kinna muscle is built to be more, have more kinna and to have less kinna. And you have to be actively in pursuit of trying to reduce your kinna. How do you do it? You have to act as if. Why does someone have kinna for? The number one reason why someone has kinna for is because they do not believe in the hashgacha practice of the Kodesh Baruch Hu. They don't believe Hashem has a plan. They think that there's Hashem out there, but they don't really buy the the um, the day-to-day activities in their lives. So as a result, if someone has more than them, they're envious because they don't see why that would happen. When you tackle upon that, the cognitive bias of confirmation, which is we think greater of ourselves than we actually are, then it, it makes even less sense why other people have more because we're better than we think. So that means we're just as good as them. Why do they have and not us? When you really analyze kinna, kinna really is a breakdown of faith. Because if you believed Hashem ran the world, and if you believed everything was done for a reason, you would let him run his world. You'd focus on yourself. When a person wants to work on their kinna, and they start to work on their faith, their practical faith, recognizing that I'm not in charge of that person's life, or I'm in charge of my life, what they need to do is, at the very least, do two things. These are practical exercises. Number one, re- Tell it over to yourself in your mind. Use the koach adimyan, the visualization capacity, before you walk into a room in which you know there will be kenna. So you know you're walking into this bar mitzvah and you know it's going to be to the nines and you have a thing about money. And you don't think you have enough and you're always like fighting with someone else because you don't think you have enough. And you're walking into the bar mitzvah and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to come in, you're going to see her dress, you can see his suit, you can see what they did. They, they hired this singer and it's already starting. Like you're ready in the back, hockey, really? How much at all? You know, the whole thing. In the car, in your brain, you begin the process. I'm going to go enjoy the wedding, the bar mitzvah. God gives money. And you start to talk to yourself or you think to yourself as if 
when you get into that room, you now, your brain at least now has some connections that can get you closer to who you should be. You come back into your car and now you've ran 10 more feet in your goal of running the marathon. Number two is the power of self-talk. This is research done by the Navy SEALs. When they train their, their SEALs to talk to themselves in moments of battle, when they feel like they're going to die, say things like, I'm brave, I can do it. The mind, the mouth can hijack the mind. When you're not in public and you feel the kinna come up, you speak to yourself things that you believe will help you overcome the kinna. If you, if you recognize that this is a normal part of life, and you have to use actual practical tactics to overcome this, and you attack it that way, you, what you gain from it is not only a happier life, you gain faith in Hashem, and then spiritually you probably gain more bracha. But what's so critical, critical about kina is that we stop pretending like we don't all have it, and we start battling it in a, in a very practical way, because if we do, then I don't know what will end up happening to someone's bones after they pass away, um, and hopefully they won't have to pass away because Mashiach will come and I don't know, the, the process will, will, will unfold. But at least you are going up against one of the greatest killers. And whether you stay alive, but your mind is filled with negativity, it's still that same concept that it's sucking away our lives and giving us nothing in return because Kina doesn't give us more stuff. It just makes us less happy with the stuff we have. So one thing I, I, I'm hearing novel from you is that don't try to think it's not there. In other words, don't try to say, oh, I've, I'm past Kina. I really don't mind yeah. what the other person has. Realize that it probably per, it's permeates within your psyche and it probably is there because, like you say, most people don't have it. Most people don't have a non-Kina gene. And therefore, most people are <laughs> and if, and if running away from it is really uh, is not going to work. Because then it, it, it inserts itself in such a devious way you don't realize. And that's what it's called, the green-eyed monster, right? The green-eyed mm-hmm. monster is there. It also reminds me a little bit of what you're saying, a famous, of course, you know, of course, the famous Eben Ezra on uh, mode, remember? And by the Saras Adibros, where the Eben Ezra is asked, how can God have given in the, in the Ten Commandments, Adibros, what's called the Ten Commandments, how could God have been given this command not to desire something that, that someone else has? How could God try to command us about something that wells up in your heart, like you say, just what the person is. So he actually also uses, uh, he talks about using a, a, a sort of vision, uh, as you say, a, uh, a mind trick. And he says a person has to realize the, the muscle that he gives is of a, a, a poor peasant worker who's just working the field, a farmhand who realizes that the, his status is so limited. He has no money and, 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 and despite his looks. And then he sees a, uh, a carriage passing through the road and the princess is in the carriage, the daughter of the king. And she's beautiful and bedecked. He doesn't really dwell on the possibility that he could ever have that girl. He realizes that this is beyond him. He notices her beauty. But uh, right away, the idea that he could become that woman's husband is completely beyond. He realizes that. It just doesn't happen. And then he goes back to digging the ditch or whatever it was he was doing. Ebenezer says that's the way you have to look at somebody else's stuff. 
You have to realize that God has par- parceled that out. And the same, it, it is possible. The same way, to, and again, I don't know if, it's the, if it will have the same sort of effectiveness that you were talking about, but I think it's pretty much along the same lines. No, it's the idea. Uh, it's, it's to recognize the is gives that person this. And you have to live and swim and be very much as much as possible to where you are. And there's no way you can get what that other person has anyway. Um, and it's, it's beyond. Yeah. And, and, and you have to make, as you say, you have to make peace. So part, I think we've sort of got a, uh, a common theme here. Of old yeah, I, I can give you one more bit of information. I mean, listen, that's the other way to looking at it is recognizing what you don't have. And recognizing what you do have, I mean, you know, this whole power outage thing, I got an email from someone saying like they lost all power, whatever, whatever. And they ended with, this is nothing what my grandmother went through. So thank God I'm blessed. So there's a lot of techniques that you can use, but I think what you're getting at, which is a good one, which is use a technique. Don't, don't be, don't be, don't be a hero. You you don't have no kinna. And if you, if you think you have no kinna, then you have kinna, just kinna over. The minute you think you beat the Atahara in anything, you lost. Like that's the greatest trick the devil has ever pulled. This is I'm quoting an old movie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he wasn't there, right? <laughs> like the greatest thing the Atahara has ever done to us and said, nah, you're good. No, 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 you're good here. You got this. As soon as you think you're good at something, like kinna, taiva, covid, you, there's a reason why Chazal say these things bring you out of the world. And they, they weren't like, if you have. This is this is who we are, and we live in a world, and we live in a very, we live in a world of other people. Don't don't rest on your laurels. Oh, um, you know, you know, Rav Kuksatzal said that with the Chazal say so from uh, So Rav Kook said that that's true till the Mosa Mashiach. In other words, there is a chokma because when you know researchers, maybe even the people that are working now on the vaccine for COVID nineteen, but let's say. Yeah. People were learning, people were involved in sugas. You know what it's like in the yeshivas. Everybody's trying to come up with the right chabur, the right chiddush, or you're trying to write the tshuva. Because you saw what someone else does, you're going to try to do that. You're going to try to match it. You're going to try to come back and maybe... And, 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 and it did create, in our history, uh, the Ramban and the Balamor, uh, the Ktsos and the Sivas, right? <laughs> you, it wasn't all... I'm sure it was mostly with Shem Shemayim, but there was also part, who does he think he is? And it went back and forth. And we have this incredible literature because of it. But if Kuksatzal said that Yemosa Mashiach, that's not going to happen. Because Yemosa Mashiach will be so pure that the Chochmah will just flow without it being energized by the kinna. So I guess my point, though, Charlie, is, is that you can sometimes get, take the devil by the horns. In other words, let's say there is, I don't know if it works with money or good looks, but if it comes to intelligence and das, what you can sometimes do is engage the other person, try to learn from the other person, recognize, hey, that guy's pretty smart, and, and then create a, an interaction with people in a way that it isn't just you're grumbling when you go into, you know, uh, to that person's bar mitzvah, but you actually have enough of a relationship. Yeah, there's a little edge to it, but it also means that you recognize what that person has and you stop hating that person. You stop hating yourself. And you realize that from the both of you together, hey, you know what? Things really happen and grow because of that. So, <laughs> I, yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, all possibilities. Yeah, all possibilities. Yes. Kin is so from Marba Chachon, but it doesn't Marba Kirvas Elokim. Which is what Rav Kook basically says, is that it, yeah. it, it's, it's something that it's going to be, be shunted aside. Yeah, 
Yeah. And who knows? Yeah. And I, right. I, 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 I mean, you're right. Kinesoft from definitely does, but it's just some, but I agree with you. Yeah. Look, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure when you go into the boardroom and you find somebody that's a, that, that's a sharp or sharper than you, you know, it, it, everyone it, has it. Sure. But, but it also might stir you to create a connection. All right. <laughs> okay. So that's it Thank for this week, my friends. And we'll see you hopefully soon with another episode of one-on-one with Charlie Khazani. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.